All right, this is 5.5. Come clean, 5.5. We, on Sunday, started talking about three words. What were our three words Sunday? The Lord is. Yeah. The Lord is. And so, uh, let's go ahead and turn to 1 John again. 1 John chapter 1. Just so that we can recapitulate what we've been going through. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Are we there? Amen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Nine again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and, what's the next word? Righteous or just. Faithful and righteous. So we talked about his faithfulness on Sunday. And then today, I want to talk about the Lord is righteous. So we're going to deal with his righteousness. This Sunday coming up, we'll talk about how the Lord forgives. <laughs> right? We'll talk about how he forgives because oftentimes we deal with uh, how we're to forgive others. But this Sunday, we'll talk about how he forgives us. Amen? But, but I want to talk about the Lord being righteous. And when we say that the Lord is righteous, the definition there is that he has a right standard or a right quality. And we're dealing with his character. So when we talk about the Lord is, that's different from the Lord does. Did y'all hear what I said? When you say the Lord is, we're speaking of his character. When you say the Lord does, you're speaking of his actions. It's very, very different when we hear the Lord is. The Lord is. So this is a character trait that we're dealing with. So the Lord, through his sacrifice, is able to do what nobody else can do. Righteous. He has a right standard. He has a right quality. And I'm going to continue to focus on this because I need us to understand why it's important to know his character. Another word for character would be attributes. There's, there's a book, I think it's Arthur W. Pink, old school writer, The Attributes of God. The attributes of God are his character qualities. And here's what I have found. You will always misunderstand God's attributes when you look at God like he's us. Does that make sense? God's not us. I, de I dealt with this Sunday. He's not a man. We can stop right there. You don't even have to get to that he should lie. He's just not like us. So the Lord, through his sacrifice, is able to do what nobody else can do. Turn to Hebrews, please. Chapter 9. This is important because, guys, I, I know that some of you are like, okay, yeah, the Lord is righteous. But when you really let this thing sink in that I'm trying to teach you about his faithfulness and his righteousness, when you pray, you'll see it different. When you, when you make a request, you'll see it different. 
And, and, and what's been even more powerful for me is the more I let his attributes sink in, the more his promises mean to me. Because if I truly understand that the Lord is faithful, every promise he makes, I look at those promises through his faithfulness. If the Lord is righteous, right standard, right quality, another word for that would be pure, right? I look at every promise he makes through your pure. Watch. If somebody tells you, I'll be there at seven, right? And they've never been late. Ever. Y'all catch what I just did there? If you've known somebody your whole life, and for every appointment with everybody, see, it's one thing that you can only say that about you, right? But take somebody you've known your whole life, and for every appointment with everybody, they have never been, not even one minute late. When they tell you, I'll see you at seven, guess what time you believe they're going to be there? Why? Because their track record is righteous. It's pure. It's of high standard. It's of high quality. In other words, I look at how you've done others, and when you make a statement to me, I have no reason to think that you're going to be any different with me than you are with anybody else. Well, I don't feel good about myself. Well, wait a minute. Remember what I said. They've never been late for anybody. Which means if they weren't late for other people who you know is much worse than you. Y'all catch that? Y'all following me so far? All right, we in Hebrews chapter 9. Let's look at verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all. Say once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish. Do y'all see that? Without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I want y'all to see what's going on. He says, now first of all, if y'all believe, this is what the writers of Hebrews are saying. If you think that the blood of a goat can get you together, how much getting together do you think that the blood of Christ, when the blood of a goat is not even as pure as he is? What was the writer telling us? The writer was saying, listen. The blood of Jesus is completely different from all of the other things that you've been relying on to get you together. So when I say the Lord is righteous, his standards are right, his quality is right, his, his, his character is pure, I'm telling everybody in the room, the Lord is able to do what nobody else can do. I'm trying to put him in a category that you don't put anybody else. 
He's not one of many. He's one and only. So when you see, I want you to look at the, the, the Bible a different way. I want you to understand the text, the promises of God, or yes and amen, a different way. So when God gives you a promise, you stop saying maybe. I don't know. You're you missing who you're talking to. You say maybe the people who have failed you. You say maybe the folk who got a maybe track record. But the Lord is righteous, pure, of right standard, of right quality. Are y'all following me? This thing continues to permeate in me because when I understand the righteousness of God, I'm going to keep digging. When I understand the righteousness of God and the Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I believe you. You know why I believe you? Because the Lord is righteous. You're just following me so far. I want you to think of every promise he's ever made to you. Believe it. I don't know how I can. You're not, listen, you don't believe the promises of God because you're good. Okay, somebody's going to get it. You don't believe the promises of God because you're good. You believe the promises of God because he is. What God is able to do is not based upon us. It's not based upon our quality. It's based upon his. Remember, I will supply all your need according to my riches. Okay, take it a step further. While you're yet a sinner, I still die. That's the Bible. See, so oftentimes, our faith is built on us. That's not, the songwriter had it right. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Because if I try to build my faith in what God will do on me, he's never going to do it. I messed up. I'm not pure. You caught me, my blood drops to the ground. Amen. But I don't believe because of me. I believe because of him. I want you to settle this in when you read the Bible. And God says something that you think is amazing. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed go begging for bread. Believe it. Why? Because he's righteous. Because if he said it, he said it knowing, I'm going to keep digging, he said it knowing who he was saying it to. Here's the powerful thing about God. God doesn't just like haphazardly say stuff. Every statement he makes, he knows who's going to hear the statement before he makes it. Does that make sense? He knew when he made this, this Bible that we would be sitting here going through this tonight. He knew that. He knew who would be in this room. He knew what you would hear. This is no mistake. This is no accident. And so when the Lord makes a promise to you, you don't look at your life and go, maybe not. You look at his character and say, absolutely. Okay? Righteousness. Righteousness in our key text. Let me take it further. Is is not just about not just a, a heart condition, but righteousness in our key text corresponds to the Lord's thinking, feeling, and acting. His thinking, his feeling, and acting. And I say that in an anthropomorphic way, ascribing to God human attributes. In other words, God don't have to think, he don't have to feel, he's God, right? He doesn't have the same emotional characteristics as a human, but we have to understand it that way. Does that make sense? So when I say the Lord is righteous, he thinks righteous. He feels righteous. He acts righteous. See, for us to be righteous, listen, for us to be righteous, our thinking, 
our feeling and our acting must be conformed to his will. That's what's required for our righteousness. In order for us to say that we're righteous, our thinking, our feeling, and our acting, not, not one, all three, must be conformed to his will. I say it one more time. For us to be righteous, our thinking, our feeling, and our acting must be conformed to his will. Not one of the three, not two out of three, all three. You can't feel right and be doing wrong and expect to be righteous. A better example is I can't do the right thing but feel the wrong thing and say I did something good. Righteousness requires all three. Thinking, feeling, and acting. Y'all in the room? Must be conformed to his will. Now, take that and let's go back to the Lord. Because the scripture says he is faithful and righteous or just. Which means Watch this. Listen to what I'm about to say. He's already conformed to God's will. You know why? Because he's God. I, I love, I love the, the portion of this, this text I read in, in this commentary. It says, the Lord's heart, I, I told the class Monday, the Lord's heart needs no rectification. That thing blessed me so much, I just don't know what to do. The Lord's heart needs no rectification. Explain. Rectify. Correct. You don't, the Lord's heart doesn't need to be corrected. How many of us can, can, can remember our time or our time right now where we need to get our heart right? Y'all, y'all. Okay, let me, let me, I'll put it to you another way. Anybody ever had to have a hard conversation with somebody and you knew you had the potential of, of wanting to slap, taste out their mouth and during the conversation and what you said is if, if they come at me the wrong way, it's going to take God, you know, the Holy Ghost and all of his angels, my mama, my sister and my cousin and my, my crazy uncle to hold me back because they got one more time. Anybody ever got a one more time moment? You got one more time to act like you about to cock your head to say something to me? I'm going to knock you out. Anybody else know like that? Just me. Okay, so watch this. And so before you get, before you 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 act out, you, you say something like this. I, I better get myself together. Anybody ever been like that? <laughs> what we're saying is my heart needs to be rectified. Because I recognize that I am outside of godly character. Make sense? I'm about to act up. I better get myself together before. Amen? Amen? Okay? When it comes to the Lord, he never has to be rectified. Think about that for a second. The Lord never has to get himself together. I still don't think y'all understand it. There is never a time where the Lord has to say, let me get myself together before I bless them. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? There's never a time where the Lord says, you know, let me make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm tight before I extend my hand. Before I heal them, let me make sure I get myself together. His heart needs no rectification. In other words, the Lord never has to get right. He's right by nature. The Lord never has to get himself worked up like, Ooh, it's going to take a lot. He's God by nature. He's holy by nature. He's righteous by nature. He's sovereign by nature. So because that is who he is, when he says something, he doesn't have to say, let me work myself up before I bless you or take care of you because that's who he is by nature. Let me take it a step further. Watch. Because we are who we are and because we got to get ourselves together, I can say something as simple as I love you 
And you can respond to me even if you don't say it out of your mouth. You can say, you love me today. Why? Because we have hearts that are in constant need of rectification. In other words, your statement is based upon how you feel in your current emotional state. And if your emotional state changes, the statement you made when you liked me can change. Y'all still ain't caught it. You ain't still ain't caught it. So, so if I tell you, if I, if I tell you, all right, Gary, I, I, you know, uh, you know, thank you for all the work that you've done. You've been so good. Um, I'm gonna give you a thousand dollars. So I tell Gary, I got a thousand dollars for Gary. Gary's like, oh man, that's great. But in between now and when he get the thousand dollars, Gary do me wrong. Y'all didn't, didn't catch that. So Gary does me wrong. Now I'd already made a statement, but because my heart is in constant need of rectification. Because Gary does me wrong, he the, the promise I made him is in jeopardy, y'all. The promise I made him is in jeopardy because my heart needs rectification. And I might mess around and decide, you can't have nothing. Because my heart is in constant need of rectification. And what he did to me might be so much that the blessing changes. Are y'all following me? But the Lord's heart doesn't need rectification. Therefore, if he said it, he will make it good. It's not like it's not like the Lord says, here, Indian giver, give it back. That's not the way the Lord works, especially because he's Alpha and Omega. So every promise he makes, he already knows whether or not we're going to be right in between now and manifestation. He's never surprised. The Lord, the Lord never makes you a promise and goes, you know, I had no idea he was going to do that one. Woo, that one sure did throw me off. No. And his heart doesn't need rectification. So when the Lord makes a promise, he's obligated because he's a king and every word that comes out of the king's mouth is a decree. It is a law. Amen. And I know. So you looking around and you like, this don't look like what God said. God is like, wait a minute. Time out. Why are you justifying or are trying to make good my word based upon circumstances? I'm not governed by none of that. God's not governed by what we see. We walk by what? Come on now. We walk by? Not by. One more time. We walk by? Not by. Third time. We walk by what? Not by. Now when, when the scripture says you walk by faith, that's not saying you walk by hope. Faith in that text means you walk by the spiritual senses, not by natural senses. So when God gives you a word, you walk by that. I don't know, I don't know. That just, that just sounds like, you know, it's like rolling the dice. You missed who we talk, who we getting promises from. My promise don't come from somebody who might. Y'all, y'all. My promise don't come from somebody who could. My promise comes from somebody who is righteous. Who needs no rectification. It's not like the Lord is going to make you a promise. And then when it's time to manifest the promise, come back and say, I had no idea you was going to be that expensive. Not he does righteous things. Oh. See, understand, there's a difference between being and acting. He is. His actions are based upon who he is. Does that make sense? Right. So, righteousness. He needs no rectification. Now, there are times where we recognize, like, whew, I just don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. 
But, but God, God is trying to say to us today, do not base my word on what other people will or won't do. I want y'all to catch that. In Malachi, he says, I'm the Lord. I change not. I want y'all to really set that in. And I don't know if you guys pay attention to the context of Malachi. He's talking to some people who are really a mess. That I'm the Lord, I change not. That's chapter 3 of Malachi. The same chapter that most people try to use to scare folk into time. The same chapter. Now we misappropriate that. The time is biblical, but we misappropriate that chapter. Because when it gets to will a man rob God, their response was, how have we robbed you? Come on, y'all. Will a man rob God? Well, how did we rob you? His response was, y'all robbed me in, y'all gonna catch it, tithe and offering. Which means that group of people were robbing him in their tithe and offering. We might be robbing him in our worship. You might be robbing him in your call. Get the principle, not the application. And so if the Lord can tell that group of people who were robbing him that I'm the Lord, I change not. What makes you think that you've done anything to cause him to change? Literally, I want you guys to think about every promise, every decree, because some of us, people of God, are walking around with our head down in a state of hopelessness like we don't serve God. Let me say this. I'm going to say it just as clear as I can. You are allowed to be hopeless if he's not God. You can walk around like, woe is me, if you don't believe that he is the great I am. But if you believe that he is who he says he is, if we truly believe that, Amen. Maybe, maybe, put it another way. If I'm being bullied, I'm a little boy and I'm being bullied, somebody keep bullying me, but I know I got 12 brothers at home. Right? I got 12 brothers at home. And this little boy is bullying me. Right? And I tell my 12 brothers, all 12 of my brothers say, we're going to come to school. We're going to see said singular bullet. <laughs> all right? And so the next day, I show up with all 12 of my brothers. You think I'm afraid? <laughs> what was that you were saying yesterday? Because <laughs> you was talking real big yesterday. I done brought some people with me. Right? Where does my strength come from? My strength comes from my brothers, right? Okay. So I don't walk around the whole day. That whole day, I don't walk around worried. I, 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 I ain't studying the bully. I ain't studying the bully. You know why? My brothers is here. Ain't nobody studying this bully because my brothers are here. I ain't thinking about you. The same bully that was gonna make me cry. I bet you better not say nothing today because my brothers is here. Okay, now how in the world do we say we serve the great I am, the God of the universe, the one who said let there be, and when the enemy tries just a little bit, our whole world gets turned upside down. We go from smiling 
15, and he is notoriously late. Notoriously. Notorious. Notorious. At 10.15, at 10.15, he said, I'm just leaving the house. You're awful. That was my text. You're awful. <laughs> notoriously late. But watch. Listen to me. I understand that about him. And so if he tells me I'm going to be somewhere, back to my first example, I'm going to be somewhere at 10.15. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to be there. You're never on time. Ever. Never on time. But that's not God, y'all. That's not God. Anybody that can find a place where he failed, let a brother know because I can't find it. I can't find a place where he failed. I can't find a place where he didn't come through. I, didn't find, I can't find a place where he's not good, where he's not faithful, where he, does, where he lacks strength. And if I serve that God, that's, come on, y'all, I step into anything. I don't care what type of wolf tickets the devil is throwing at me. Do you know who I got? I'm just going to move out the way because um, you talking real big. You heard how he talking to me, Dad. You heard how he talking. You heard how he talking. I didn't even do nothing. I didn't even do nothing. You don't have to talk. You don't have to get nobody back because you know who the Lord is. I really want y'all to think real quick. Now, I'll say one more thing, and I got another text. i say one more thing. Stop looking at God through the lens of the other people who hurt you. One of the problems, yes, one of the problems that we have with God because God presents himself as a father in the text. Many of us who have bad relationships with our father actually end up not receiving God. Because we see words like father. We, we see words like Abba. And we're like, mm-mm, because -mm, my version of a father. Amen. And this is why many of us, we never even get to a place. Watch. We don't get to a place of natural submission under godly authority, and we never even submit to God. Because we have, we, we equate those things to our, our history with natural man. You're not the only one who might have had a bad father. We can go from left to right. Anybody, uh, who was over? My daddy was this. Okay. At the end of the day, God's not that. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, make your experience illegitimate. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, don't put God in the category of man. God is righteous. His standards, his quality is pure. There's no motive. Let me ask y'all this question. How many times does somebody say something to you and in your heart you're going, that's too good to be true? Come on, y'all. Yeah, y'all don't want to be honest? You know why we do that? Because some of us think that everybody has a motive. Everybody got a motive. Everybody got a motive. Everybody got a motive. I would like to tell you something. The Lord does have a motive. You're absolutely right. He has a motive. He wants you as his own. Huh? Matter of fact, I, I can make his motive even more clear. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the motive of the Lord. His motive is get right. Yeah. But it's, it's hard. It's hard because oftentimes we try to do stuff in our own strength. Right. 
It's hard because our heart needs rectification and we don't want to rectify it. We don't want to allow the Holy Spirit to purge us of all unrighteousness. But that comes with it. It's hard because oftentimes we got to give up stuff that we want to hold on to. It's hard because we have to come to our Garden of Gethsemane moment where we say, not my will, but thy will be done. It is hard because sometimes if we tell the truth, our flesh is strong and we don't want to crucify it. It's hard because we feel like if we go ahead and yield to God's will, that somehow other people are getting over on us and they don't get away with it. But we have to trust that the Lord is. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. God sees all, knows all, hears all. And he won't let anybody put one finger on his child. He loves you so much that he's looking at every hair on your head. And there are people who are secretly conniving and God is making a way and you don't even know it. You're so busy trying to cut off the people who you know don't like you while God is defending you against the people smiling in your face that you think like you. Teach us, God. You cutting off the people who are bringing you closer to God, all the while welcoming the people who actually want to pull you from God. Yes, Lord, I heard that. Because, listen, well, I don't know. I mean, you keep saying these people are bringing, but all they're causing me is pain. Okay, here comes some scripture. The trying of your faith. Y'all not. The trying of your faith worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. Hope make him not ashamed because the love of Christ is shed abroad in all of our hearts. In other words, everything that puts your faith under pressure is bringing you somewhere that the Lord needs you to be. So why in the world would you try to cut that off all the while welcoming people that, watch this, will participate in your lack of discernment, participate in your lack of righteousness, participate in your lack of holiness, and because they make you feel comfortable, you think that they're healthy? Turn to James. Everybody you comfortable with ain't good for you. Say that. Y'all got me sweating. Everybody you comfortable with is not good for you. And there's some people who you're uncomfortable with that are best for you. I know. I know. I'm messing up your circle. I am. I'm messing up your circle. But I need to say this. He's in, oh, he just keep pushing me in the deck. I keep trying to get to my text. Deborah, but the Lord picked Judas. Now, if I was Jesus, I ain't picking you. Especially when I have the divinity in me to know you a fool. Sell me out for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, you could have doubled it 60. I mean, come on now. My God. I mean, put some gold on it. I mean, silver, I'm only worth 30 pieces of silver. I mean, give, give a brother a talent of gold. But he picked him. He picked Judas. He picked Thomas. Who was like, I need to put my hand in your side, even though I can see you with a hold. Come on, y'all. He picked them guys. Why? Watch this. Because he literally put somebody close to him who he knew would take him through the most pain. Why would he pick that guy? Because Calvary was necessary for mankind's redemption. So I don't want to surround myself with anybody who's not going to get 
show y'all this and I'm going to be done. Because there's a heavy spirit in here. It is. It's heavy. Now I need y'all to let that thing rest and marinate for a minute. All of that he heaviness that you came in here carrying, you need to tell yourself, wait a minute, the Lord is. Oh, my bad. Coming here talking about, I just don't know how. Let me, let me run that through the Lord is filter. Go ahead and find you a promise. I don't know if that's going to work. You better run that through the Lord is filter. How do I, how do I know? How do I know? How? Are we serious right now? How, how, how do I know? How do I know? Just read the story of David with his old toe up tail. God was like, yeah, he's a man after my own heart. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good thing given, and every, James 1, 17, every good thing given, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Here's the part that I love. With whom there is no variation, Y'all see that? Or shifting shadow. King James, no variableness or shadow of turning. No variation or shifting shadow. Now, I've read this text forever, and I was pondering it today, and I was pondering it, and I was pondering it. And you know, in his law, he meditates day and night. Sometimes I just take one verse and I keep, you know, I try to get it in me. And all of a sudden, y'all driving down the road, I had a eureka moment with this here text. I said, wait one minute. No variation. Nor, or, or contention upon your, 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 your translation. Shifting shadow, shadow of turning. Watch this. My shadow is now being cast on the carpet. You with me? My shadow is being cast. And scripture says there's no, no variation. Or, like another way of saying that is there's no shifting shadow. Y'all gonna catch it in a minute. My shadow is being cast on the carpet. My shadow just shifted. You know why my shadow shifted? Because I moved. So they caught it. Maybe this is only good to me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. So when it says there's no shifting shadow, this means that wherever you see the shadow of God, he don't move. Y'all still didn't catch it. My shadow shifted. My shadow shifted. My shadow shifted again. The only way for my shadow not to shift is for me not to move. Still don't catch it. The Lord is not a moving target. Where he is, he will always be. Y'all still ain't caught it. We actually, Elder Renita teach like God is moving around and we got to be on this constant search like he was over here. <laughs> he ain't over there no more. Woo! He over, well, guess he, used, he done left there. First of all, the scripture says the earth is full of his glory. Last time I kept, I, I, I thought about it. If I, if I have a glass full of water, every part of the glass is wet. 
vocational, the being of God is alignment. Don't catch it. Okay. When you look at God like he's locational, ooh, the Lord sure was in service today. That's locational. The Lord was sure in this place. That's locational. As if God has the capacity to subtract himself from a place that's already full of him. If the whole earth is full of his glory, how does God instantaneously like, I'm going to be everywhere but right there. That's not the way God works. There are times where God might not move. Like we don't see his manifestation, but he's there. So instead of you thinking that you got to get to a location of God, you got to get to a mentality of God. You have to align with God. There's not a place. He's omnipresent. If there's ever a place where he's not, then the omnipresence of God is alive. He can't be omnipresent but not here and not there. How does he say, if you go to the depths of hell, I'm there, and then we go, he ain't in here. The Lord ain't in here. No, the Lord might be silent, but he in the room. Come on now. Just because you see a thing don't mean it ain't present. You know, it's a whole lot of stuff you don't see. But it's in there. Does this make sense? So when it says there's no variation or shadow of turning, what he's saying is, I'm going to stay put. You just got to come to where I ain't moving around. I'm not a moving target. I'll give it to you another way. Somebody asked me today, they said, um, how do I get to righteousness? And I said, righteousness is fixed. And then their, their next question was, well, wait a minute, you know, what about when people do you wrong? And what about when you're hurt? And what about this? Doesn't righteousness change? No, righteousness is righteousness. See, no variation. Now, this helps just as much as it hurts. You know why? Because if there's no variation in God, we have to be godly regardless of, oh, yeah. You can't say that you're circumstantially godly. You know, I was, I was absolutely loving you until you did this. Love ran out right there. Hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So his standard should be our standard. Right? I'll never forget what Sharon Truth taught that time. She said the standard of God is high, but it's fixed. True. It don't move around. In it. It's not like you go, whoo, here was this 2018 standard. He got a new 2019 standard. I wonder what his 2020 standard going to be. No, his standards are the same. Just admit that you were at a 2018 level. Right Or to go on my Monday class, you was at the 2018 dimension. You ain't there. <laughs> admit that. It, admit that what, where God wanted you, you haven't reached it yet. Is this making sense to anybody? So when we say that the Lord is, there's no variation. So when he's righteous, it's not, it's not like, you know, he's a little righteous. Or, you know, he's kind of righteous. No, there's no variation. And if, and if he doesn't change, and there's no variation, then that means that the same power that God had to part red seas ain't gone nowhere. So when I start saying the Lord is, and you start wowing out over a $50 DPNL bill, the Lord's like, um, listen, 
I was getting tax money out of a fish's mouth. The Lord, are y'all following me? There's no variation to that. There's no variation. Maybe, maybe that was only in the Bible. I'm the same. This says to us, this says to us, who the Lord is, what the Lord can do, does not change. It's not a moving target. The best thing for us to do when we find ourselves in any type of pickle is to, is to match your situation to what you see in the word. Amen. You see, you going through something, find it in the Bible. First of all, you get strength by seeing its deliverance. Second of all, you learn the principle of what the person had to do in order to get delivered. Amen. You got the woman with the issue of blood. Don't, don't merely see the woman with the issue of blood as a medical issue. See the woman with the issue of blood as any problem that she couldn't get rid of. Principle, not example. She had this issue of blood. She had gone to many people, didn't get better, grew worse. Take any problem in your life that you have persistently dealt with that doesn't seem to be getting better, but it gets worse, and then say, hmm, let me apply, right? Wow, I don't know if the Lord will still do it. The Lord is. No variation, no shadow, same. Yesterday, today, forever. I don't care what your persistent problem is. It's getting worse and worse and worse. It don't seem to be getting better. Let's see who that lines up with. What did she do? She came through the press. That means that she stopped talking to folk. Right? She, as my, my wife would say, she got herself quiet. Right? And she said, I'm going, to mess, I'm going to put my hands on the Lord himself. If I may but touch the hem of his garment. Principle. The hem of his garment represented his authority, his character. It represented who he was. So she came in contact with the character of God. But that's not the end of the story. She touches the hem of his garment. The blood stops. Story not over. The blood stops. And for many of us, we just want it to stop. After the blood stopped, who touched me? The Bible says she came and told him the whole truth. Because just because your problem is over doesn't mean you delivered. Okay. That's why some of us keep going in the same cycle. Because all you're asking God to do is stop it, not deliver you from it. And if you're not delivered from it, you can go back to it. The blood stopped. She tells him the truth. He says, now you're whole. Now you're good. Now you're good. Your actions stop the blood. Your confession made you whole. That makes sense. I need you guys to understand. And that, this is the same Lord we do. I don't know if he'll do it for me. No. The Lord is righteous. 
He did it for her. But I just keep messing up and keep messing up and keep, keep messing up. Okay, we won't be caught in adultery. The Lord is righteous. Right? I just, I just, I just don't know how will he use me after what I've done. Okay, come here, Saul. The Lord is. Because Ananias was like, bruh, you know, Saul. I didn't hear about him. The Lord was like, I, I, I need to use him. He, he's going to be great for me. He was a murderer. The Lord is righteous. You are not disqualified because of your historical mess ups. The Lord is. Amen. Listen to part 5.5 of the Marketplace Movement Podcast, The Come Clean.